Welcome to Dan Dan the Pearman Podcast, brought to you by all things strange, unusual, and unknown in the world. Take a walk with me, your host Dan, as we explore the world of the strange, unusual, unexplained, and the unknown. During our time together, we will look at facts, findings, experiences, and research of current and past encounters. It is my pleasure and passion of the supernatural and unknown that has sparked this podcast to life in a small city in central Michigan. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into today's episode. Welcome back to Dan Dan the Paraman Podcast, Season 2, Episode 8, A Feast of Terror, A Ghost Tale for Thanksgiving. Situated in the midst of a picturesque but lonely country, this house, the property of a farmer named Walsingham, had a worldwide reputation amongst physical investigators. For some time, the house had been left deserted by its owner, and it would seem that during the temporary absence of its material master, it passed into the hands of beings or forces, call them what you will, who wish to remain in undisputed possession. When Walsingham and his family decided to return and take up their abode in the house, they were struck on the very first day by a peculiar feeling of the place. They could not decide in any way what this feeling was, but, on analysis, likened it to be claustrophobia, an overpowering dread of being alone within any four walls. Their dog, Don Caesar, absolutely refused to enter the house. On being dragged in, he immediately broke out into furious barking. His back bristled with rage, and he showed every sign of terror. This occurred several times during the day and the same evening. Being attracted to the spot by his whines and howls, Walsingham saw his dog attacking some invisible enemy. Don Caesar at last sprang into the air as if at a man's throat, but fell back as if he had received a heavy blow. When picked up, his neck was found to be broken. The Walsingham's cat, on the other hand, manifested every sign of delight at being in the house. It strolled from room to room, purring loudly, and was seen on several occasions twisting its head from side to side and arching its back as if someone was stroking it. To say that the Walsinghams were amazed at these things would be to describe their feelings mildly. They were very much upset, but had not as yet any suspicion on the score of supernatural causes. But that evening, just towards dusk, the house was suddenly filled with shouts, groans, and hideous laughter, heard by all the occupants and putting them into a veritable panic. Miss Amelia Walsingham, while sitting in front of her mirror, saw a man's hand upon her shoulder. Yet there was no reflection of it in the glass, nor was there any arm or body apparent. Walsingham himself saw footprints forming in the dust of a garden path before him as he walked, yet no mortal could be seen. But though these things were uncanny and terrifying, and were sufficient to make the family realize that some force out of the usual was at work, 
They paled into insignificance before the later incidences which took place during the evening meal. The family was seated at supper, with one or two guests, when their conversation was suddenly interrupted by a loud and horrible groan, apparently in the room above. Little notice was taken of it until one of the guests pointed out a stain of what looked like blood on the tablecloth, and it was then seen that some liquid was slowly dripping from the ceiling overhead. This liquid was so much like freshly shed blood as to horrify those who witnessed its slow dripping. It would be hard to imagine a more gruesome occurrence at any time, but the peculiar form of this horror and the theatrical way in which it was carried out would put it down as the invention of some most evil-minded but decidedly clever person. It flashed into the minds of all sitting at the table that some terrible deed had been committed in the room above, some frightful murder. For a few seconds all sat silent, with white faces, looking out of the corners of their eyes at each other in terror. Then Walsingham shook off his paralysis of fear and ran out of the room, followed by his son. They went quickly upstairs to the room over the dining room and flung open the door, dreading what fearful sight their eyes should meet. But it was empty. They tore up the carpet and there found the boards to be soaked with the same red, gruesome liquid as was dripping into the room beneath. But there was no explanation nor was any afterwards discovered. The liquid was later examined under a microscope by a medical man and pronounced to be human blood. This incident was too much for the Walsinghams, and they left the house and moved to another. Walsingham House then fell into entire disuse, and stories of the occurrences being put abroad, the place was shunned by day as well as by night. This neglect did not tend to make the spot look more cheerful, and it is stated that in addition to the gloom that generally settles on the most ordinary of empty houses, there was an undoubted feeling of depression in the air around the place. Quite normal people said that it felt to them as if the atmosphere around the home weighed more than anywhere else. The house had not been approached for several months when a young man named Horace Gunn made it the subject of a wager, betting a friend a fair sum of money that he would stay alone in the house for one night and have no aid within call. This enthusiastic young man carried out his intention and went to the house one evening before it was dark. His story was best told in his own words. I had been in the house about an hour and nothing had happened. It was just beginning to get dark and I thought that I would set about lighting a fire. Though I do not consider myself an expert in this art, I was very much surprised at being absolutely unable to do so. My matches went out one after another, as if blown out by a strong drought. Once when I had succeeded in lighting a piece of paper, it only smoldered for a few seconds and then went out. This was bad enough as I had to give up the idea of a cheerful blaze to keep me company, but 
To my disgust, I found that my lamp would not light either. It was as if it were filled with water instead of oil. It was quite dark, and whilst I was looking about for some means of getting a light there, came a terrible yell of pain from underneath the house, and this was the signal for an outbreak of the most hideous and devilish noises. There were shouts, screams, groans, laughter, thumping, and the continual running up and down stairs as of several heavy people. My hair bristled. I stood by the window, practically paralyzed with fear, and had I then been able to control my limbs, I would have fled from the house. I would have lost my wager and a hundred like it rather than stay in the haunt of fiends. Then suddenly the noises stopped. Complete silence fell on the place, but far from reassuring me, this made matters worse. For now I dreaded the silence even more than I had the ghostly noises. All the time I listened, listened for something. Now and then I thought I heard soft footsteps drawing near me, but it was nothing. This waiting and dreading was far worse than the pandemonium of terror. I did not have long to wait for the next move, for in the darkness there suddenly appeared a small spot of grayish light on the wall opposite of me. It grew larger and larger, altering in shape until it assumed the outline of a human head, at the same time losing its flatness. Soon it was a real head, floating in the air. Its hair was long and gray and matted together, and it had a deep and jagged cut in one temple. The whole face indicated suffering and misery. The eyes were wide open and gleamed with an unearthly fire, while they seemed to direct their gaze upon me. The head moved about the room, but always the eyes were turned in my direction. Then it vanished, but there broke out in the room a loud and awe-inspiring wail, as of several souls in anguish. I thought then that I could see indistinct shapes flitting about, and mustering up all my courage, I attempted to pass them and gain the door. But just as I reached it, I felt my ankle seized in a firm grasp. I was thrown down and felt fingers grasping at my throat. At this point, Mr. Gunn's story ceases. He was found by his friends next morning unconscious on the floor by the door, and bearing on his throat the marks of long, thin fingers with cruel, curved nails. After this experience, no one was found to have anything more to do with the house, though a few people interested in such matters attempted to find out some reason for this terrible haunting. Though several avenues of investigation were explored, nothing very conclusive was discovered. The house had by this time acquired such an evil reputation that no one would occupy it and it was ultimately demolished. Many human bones were found under it and in its grounds. How they came there was never known, but it was supposed that they had lain there for many years and were the bones of people who might have been murdered when the house was a roadside inn of very bad repute. And herein, perhaps, lies an explanation for the hauntings at the house. A few days before returning to his house, Mr. Walsingham, having discovered in the grounds some old dried bones and not able to decide whether they were human or not, settled the matter, as he thought, by ordering them to be thrown into a lime kiln is it possible that the spirits of the men 
whose bones were thus so indecently treated, summoned to their aid certain dark forces in order to make the place uninhabitable by mortals in revenge for the insult offered to their remains? Thanks for joining me for Season 2, Episode 8. If you are an avid listener of Dan Dan the Paraman, please like, follow, review, and share with everyone you know. Also, send us a quick email to dandantheparamanpodcast at gmail.com to join our email list for a weekly reminder of new episodes and any other exciting news. You can find us on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. As well as Instagram at dandantheparamanpodcast, Facebook, dandantheparaman. You can also listen to us on dandantheparamanpodcast.buzzsprout.com. And again, through email at dandantheparamanpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for more fun facts, findings, and experiences of current and past strange, unusual, and unknown encounters. You can find all this information in the show notes as well.